0: Perrier, Sparkling Lime Water. Is there anything better, ladies and gentlemen? This is motherfucking incredible. I'm going to take another mother's ziggy. You know what the best part of this is? Is for a guy like myself. I was a fat kid. I was a fat fucking kid. I had titties as a child. And a big old gut. And a big old gut. And that was tough growing up. Being fat. You know, me and my brother got into arguments, and I could only tease him about so many things. And He had that weapon against me. He had that that card he could play that would just fucking end it all. He'd just be like, "But you're fat." <laughs> I just had to eat it. No pun intended. I just had to fucking take that. Like, ah, somebody gets you with that one. It's like you, there's a there's a long process. You can't just immediately rebuttal. There's a long process that's required for you to get even. You literally have to get on a diet. You got to start exercising. (laughs) You got, there's a lot of shit that you got to do. And that's just my genetics. I I was blessed with the genetics because it is a blessing, ladies and gentlemen. I know society at large looks at fat people like it's an unfavorable physiological state. To be obese is unhealthy. It's bad. And we should look at that negatively. But people who carry more weight on their body, that's ideal for survival. That is ideal for survival. The issue is not your bone structure or how much your metabolism, how much fat your body packs on. It's our diet. It's the shit that we fucking eat. That's why I'm drinking a Perrier water, sparkling water. I don't drink soda no more. This is my soda, zero calories. Contains no juice. It's carbonated. It's water. Mineral water. Very delicious. I'm going to take another sip before I continue talking about fat people. To have a slower metabolism. <sighs> aren't I fucking gentleman? To have a slower metabolism and the propensity to gain weight at a quicker pace than other people is a favorable characteristic when you think about surviving and isn't that what we're all doing isn't that what we're all doing the very basis of why we do everything we fucking do is to build some type of cushion between us and the brutality that faces us which is death the inevitable the unknown you know so we spend the entirety of our lives however long that they are trying to create some type of comfortable buffer in between that and people in society there's some people there's a subset of the population that gains weight easier they store more belly fat they store more fat in their thighs or their booty or their their arms or wherever the fuck the fat is distributed that's a favorable characteristic the issue is our diet we're not supposed to be eating like this but to have a little fat on you is nothing wrong with it all that being said ladies and gentlemen i listened to society when i was a child And I was scarred. So it's been a fight the entirety of my life. Staying slim. It's so easy for me to get fat. It would be easy for me to be obese. I mean, you got to put in a little bit of work to be obese. I'm not going to lie, ladies and gentlemen. But for me to pop up to 240 pounds, all I got to do is eat a little above average and not work out. That's all I got to (laughs) do. That's all I I could walk. I could, you know what I'm saying? I could do normal chores and activities. But if I just eat a little bit above average, a little bit above the average American diet, which is just a fucking poisonous amount of food, it's incredible that our cells are not drowning on a daily fucking basis. If I just eat a, a tad more, I could be sober. I, you know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? It doesn't have to be extremes. I don't have to be the guy that's fucking pounding two Domino's pizzas. I could just eat a little bit more than the average American diet, which is extremely unhealthy and not work out, I'll jump to 240 in a month. Don't believe me. You don't have to believe me. I know my body. I will jump to 240 pounds in a fucking month. So as you grow, you learn, you gain experience, you gain wisdom, and it is your job to apply those lessons learned to your current life. That's what I'm trying to do and it's enjoyable because i don't want to be fat <laughs> i don't want to be fat um for both reasons i could be honest i don't i don't want to be unhealthy i don't want to um suffer the ills of my community which you know big killers in my community are deal with diet they deal with stress they deal with um you know stuff like that and I don't want to be a victim of that. And I have the understanding and the lessons and the experience, reference experience, whether it be from my life or somebody else's life, to implement that change. Um, and it's a better thing, man, when you start implementing those changes in your fucking life. I'm just, instead of drinking soda, which I used to love, soda, I used to love, I used to love, I used to love it. I used to love you, soda. And I haven't had soda in years really and that wasn't the radical change in my weight that was not the radical change in my weight it wasn't just knocking out soda i'm assuming if i just kept soda in my diet and was having that normal fight of going on a diet working out getting off a diet um you know gaining some weight all that type of shit that naturally happens that soda would probably put me over 240 it would very easily put me over 240 pounds and i would have other health issues in my early 30s. Thank God I put that away. Probably in Los Angeles. I stopped drinking soda really. I'll have it from time to time. Um, But yeah, I kind of put that away. And substituting that with the Perrier Lime Water. What is this a fucking ad? It's supposed to be a podcast. Is this Is a fucking advertisement for carbonated water? I think so. Um, No, it is the best. It is the fucking best. And it's changed my life. It's changed. You changed my life, Perrier. Not even just Perrier. I do... LaCroix. LaCroix. I'll do whatever sparkling water with the lime flavoring. And now my body just can't tell the difference. And that's an amazing thing. When you do something so much, you forget the old, inefficient, negative way of doing it. I used to drink Sprite. That was my favorite soda. And if I couldn't find a Sprite, I would drink a 7-Up. Oh my God. Oh my God you know and when you get sprite depending on the distribution method you can get a can of sprite you can get sprite from maybe a costco they have that soda machine and you're getting out of the dispenser but the most potent way to consume sprite if you fucking know you know you go to any local mcdonald's ladies and gentlemen in new york city i think the stat is you can look it up for your goddamn self it's it's just it's a horrific statistic but it's the reality of monopolies and capitalism in America. They don't give a fuck. There's a McDonald's within every square mile of another McDonald's in New York City. Look it up. Look it up. That means if you're at a McDonald's, there's in, within a mile of that McDonald's in a certain direction, there's another McDonald's. It's, you, you can't fucking miss them in New York. If you go to New York City, And you just stumble by a fucking McDonald's, which will happen if you keep walking. I don't care what avenue, boulevard, what street you're on. Just walk in any fucking direction. You will eventually, pretty quickly, find a McDonald's. Go in there and fill up your cup with some Sprite from the soda dispenser at McDonald's. That is crack cocaine. That shit is Drano. It is used to fucking clear the fucking pipes. It's crazy. And that used to be my fix. And now I've replaced that with the Perrier Lime Water. And because of the momentum of change, now when I consume this, let's try it right now. Let's see if it really fucking holds up. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's just, it's, just, it's just better. It's just better. It's just better. It's just better. It's true. It's true, it's fucking fantastic And I love it um, Why well, was I talking about this? I was a fat kid Fat is not bad We just have to change our diets Being fat is okay If you're chunky That means you're, you know, you have stronger genes Allegedly, you know, you you carry a little weight Just change your diet and be a chunky person And that's healthy, man <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> um, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, no, it's beautiful, man. I have had that fight. It's like ups and downs in my lifetime. But you know, with anything, you keep on fighting yourself. You are the greatest enemy. You yourself is not. You you get what the fuck I'm trying to say. If you look in the goddamn mirror. That uh, delusional illusory image it's not really you but you get the point of what i'm saying you are your own worst enemy and once you realize that then you can put up a fight against yourself and the momentum that you would continue with uh fighting yourself not in like a crazy way i'm not saying go into the fucking bathroom and cut yourself when nobody's going to see it you know what i'm saying i'm not saying get emo what i'm saying is the uh continual effort to conquer the things that are not favorable for you to have a balanced life, to have a life that you want, to live the life that you want. When you start fighting those things on a consistent basis, um, the momentum takes over. It's like gravity. And now I drink Perrier's. And the fight between me and the fat little kid that I was, it's not as difficult. It's not as difficult. I could just... You know, implement all the things that are just habits now. what? What is this for... Do I think I'm a life coach? Everybody thinks there's a life coach. You know that? I think God was making human beings. And just understanding how all of the universe works. Right? Wanted to make us in that same thread of... Reality, you know, there's positives, there's negatives, things kind of balance out. And he was like, you know, I'm going to make them the most efficient. I'm going to give them thumbs. Great idea. God, I appreciate my thumb. Uh, Is it blasphemy that I I use my thumb mostly for masturbation or scrolling? Probably. Uh, Anyway, I'm going to give them thumbs and the smarter ones are going to use those thumbs to be fucking carpenters or architects or engineers. Right. And then I'm going to um, give them the experience of consciousness. I'm going to, I'm going to give them consciousness so they can, you know, not only have to deal with suffering. This is the balance thing, but they'll also be able to experience the joys of life, the beauties of life. And, uh, it'll be enjoyable for them. They'll learn, they'll bump their head on walls. You know, it's part of the growing process. You see it all everywhere in nature and, um, it'll be great, you know? And then, um, you know, he was like, but I think it needs more balance because life is good. I think it needs more balance, and then in that understanding that life needed more balance, God was like, "I got it. I got to create a downer. There's so many highs in this life that I've created for the humans, and uh, there's gonna they're gonna make drugs and there's plants that naturally have drugs. So many things are just gonna fucking lift them off, and they're gonna be high in the fucking cloud. How can I get them down? And then He created this concept that we all have to deal with: unsolicited advice. Oh my. Is there anything fucking worst? Everybody's a financial advisor. Everybody's a health coach. Everybody's a life coach. Everybody's a fucking shaman. It's incredible. Myself included. It's like you can't avoid it. It's baked into the nature of having an opinion and expressing yourself, which are two very healthy things. But when you combine those things, you become advice. And for most fucking people, it's unsolicited advice. Like nobody wants to hear your motherfucking advice, but... It's just the nature of it, if you want to express and you want to believe, <laughs> you're gonna be giving fucking advice. it's just how the, it's how it is, man, so what the fuck it is? It's crazy it is balanced as well though, if you think about it like I don't know, but I'm pretty sure trees don't have to experience unsolicited advice from other trees i don't think tree like tree one is telling tree two how it should be growing you know <laughs> that doesn't happen but they're also probably not as conscious as of us as us and so it's just like an unaware life of i don't think there's a lot of joy in that it's like you know that they are experiencing the same base living experiences like trying to live and survive I don't they they don't store fat but I imagine they store water and you know the trees that have the most favorable physical disposition for surviving they probably have like thicker bark or you know what I'm saying a a geographical thing they grow in an area that's less tree dense I just had to pause the motherfucking recorder because I got a call from the motherfucking bank ladies and gentlemen it happens you know how lonely I am that um, this guy that I deal with calls me and I'm like, oh, my buddy Hilton. And I'm like, I never fucking met, that's how lonely I am. Anyway, what was I t- <laughs> what was I talking about? Um, I was talking about trees being in a geographical location. I was trying to parallel being a fat person, which is good genetically, <laughs> to what is probably advantageous from a survival standpoint for a tree. And I said all that to say that we are similar in that way. We have geographical, geographical, we have genetic um, characteristics that are positive for us to have. And um, that's beautiful. But what we don't, what the tree does not share with us is the joy of consciousness, which allows us to store such vast memories and interpret and create art and speculate and experience reality in such a unique way, also doesn't have un- unsolicited advice. You understand? Fucking incredible. Um, I'd rather be a human than a tree. A tree, you know, I don't know what that life is like. I think that's like when people, uh, what do they say, like a, a fish has a three-second memory? That's got to be wild, that's got to be fucking wild. It's like the Adam Sandler movie with Drew Barrymore where he uh, it was in Hawaii. And I guess he went. She got into an accident and she just lost her memory every day. She had amnesia where she would go back to the starting point of the day before she had the accident. So every 24 hour period was just a reset and she has no memory that she got into the accident and her life just continues on from the day before. She got into the accident just repeating. So it's like an internal psychological groundhog day. And Adam Sandler makes the horrible mistake of falling in love with her. What could he do? She's innocent. So every day, he then has to remind her why she's waking up with his dick in her butt. You know what I'm saying? He got to remind her so she doesn't fucking think she's being assaulted. No, we've been together for years, baby. Look at this videotape I've compiled. You have kids. What a fucking... A life to wake up to, right? you just wake up. (laughs) There's some person you don't remember at all. And they've been having sex with you for years. And you procreated with them. And now you have people who share half of your genetics just running around your fucking house. And you just thought it was Thursday. And it's not Thursday. It's Monday. 10 years later. Fucking wild. Um... That was a deep tangent, ladies and gentlemen. But you get the point. The synopsis of the movie was trying to illuminate that. That's part of the joy. We get to, like, fucking compile all these memories and have all these reference experiences. And if you grow up and maybe go to therapy or self-heal, you can just cut out the things that are not advantageous memory-wise from your past and experience a consciousness of what you select Trees don't get that option. The fish that have three-second memory, they don't get that fucking option. They're just existent, but not really. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, how real of a life is that? That's just a wild fucking thing. It's life. It is life. That has to just express that we are more than just life. Human beings are. Because of our level of consciousness, we are more than, you know, when you see... A plant, or you see a, a bird. Like these things are alive, but they don't have our experience. It's something that we have that's elevated. It's like life plus. You know what I mean? What the fuck am I talking about? Um, you guys get it. You guys motherfucking understand what I'm saying, man. I'm gonna take another motherfucking ship of Perrier lime water flavored carbonated mineral water. Bitterwood water. That's what I want to look up, because <clears throat> I'm not a tree. So what I can do is I can go onto a device that another human made. That's what I am—a human, and I can look things up, and that's beautiful. It's like out of my brain into the interwebs, and then it was sh- it was sharp back information that I will just accept verbatim. I will not. Put any uh, dissent or skepticism in. I'm just gonna accept whatever the fuck. Uh, who invented carbonated drinks? <laughs> it reminds me of one of the greatest movies of all time. If you've not seen it, there's something that happened in your life you missed something. It's just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come at you, but I'm com- kind of coming at you. And if you haven't seen it, go see it. The original Willy Wonka, Charlie the Chocolate Factory. Oh my. Oh, my God. And they had that drink, the fizzy lifting drink. And it was just a setup. They had the little boy drink the drink. And then he caused property damage. And there's that amazing scene where Charlie thinks that he won the prize. He got the golden ticket. So he won first round. And he was in competition with all these other little spoiled sons of a bitches. And Charlie had the good heart. And he was ready to inherit the chocolate factory. And what happens? This sicko, this fucking nut, Willy Wonka, is like, yo... I got to really make sure to bring him to the depths of hell before he receives this amazing prize. So he goes and um, has this incredible monologue. He takes the grandfather and uh, Charlie into his office, which is just like pure insanity. Uh, If you really analyze that scene, everything in the office was half done, which is like the mind of a fucking genius. Right. And he goes and he has this incredible fucking rant. He starts reading out the contract and all the clauses that were written in like fucking ancient Latin and he's screaming at them. You lose, you get nothing. And um I said all that to talk about fizzy lifting drinks, carbonated drinks. Joseph Priestley. Where did carbonated beverages come from? The carbonation process was first invented by a man named Joseph Priestley in England in 17 17- 67 god damn that was a long time ago the process however wasn't commercialized until 1786 so it took about 19 years for this process to be commercialized for everybody to be able to enjoy the invention of joseph Priestley, who was this guy was like a fucking he has to be a prophet right who creates something so obvious but enjoyable Ingenious, and, um, and it was uh, in 1786 in Switzerland. It was commercialized by a man named Jacob Schweppes. Schweppes, <laughs> Schweppes away. You know what I'm saying? Schweppes Ginger Ale. Let's look up this guy though, Joseph Priestley. I wanna, I wanna know about his life. You know what I mean? I wanna know about what this guy was thinking about. He was like, water is good. You know, but in the style of Jesus, I don't want water. I want something extra. Jesus turned it into wine. This guy turned it into soda. I just had to pause the motherfucking recording and I'm back again. Uh, and that's okay. Right? Let's see. Uh, where was I at? I was talking about this guy, Priestley. The guy that he was very Christ like. He did not like the natural composition of water. He was like, it needs something extra. And he puts little bubbles in. Um, and I want to find, they have carbonated water. Wikipedia. I'm looking up Priestley. Where is this guy? Where is this guy? Joseph Priestley. Joseph Priestley. He was born. Ha! He was born a day. Isn't that fucking insane? He was born March twenty fourth, seventeen thirty three. Isn't that fucking insane? What are the chances, ladies and gentlemen? This is a, a live synchronicity. Joseph Priestley, carbonated water, Perrier water. I owe it all to him. He was born today. This is also my sister's birthday. Hallelujah. Um, Was an English chemist, natural philosopher, separatist theo- theologian, grammarian. Oh, this guy was a fucking genius. Multi-subject educator and liberal political theorist. Think about... All the work that this individual Joseph put on his his life, all the back work to be a chemist, a philosopher for nature, a separatist theologian, a grammarian, whatever the fuck that is, liberal political theorist, all of these sectors that he achieved mastery. I'm just assuming that he was a master because he invented carbonated water, one of the greatest inventions of all motherfucking time. I like to think with somebody's talented, the talented in many realms. This guy put a lot of fucking work to get all those titles and he's best known uh, for making people burp he published over 150 works and conducted experiments in electricity and other areas of science he was a close friend and worked in close association with benjamin motherfucking franklin it's all about the benjamin's baby involving electricity experiments this guy's the fucking man joseph Priestley. holy shit Priestley is uh, credited with his independent discovery of oxygen by the thermal decomposition of mucuric oxide, having isolated it in 1774. That was a long time ago, ladies and gentlemen. During his lifetime, Priestley's considerable scientific reputation rested on his invention of carbonated water. I said it. The guy put in a lot of motherfucking work, but he was known for making carbonated water. His writings on electricity and his discoveries on several airs, Gases, the most famous being what Priestley dubbed, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this here, deflogisticated air, oxygen. Why did they just say oxygen? Priestley's determination to defend um, his uh, theories and to reject what would become the chemical revolution eventually left him isolated. Within the scientific community. That happens ladies and gentlemen. There's commu- this is just how human beings operate. Once again we're not trees. We're social beings. And we all have beliefs. And the beliefs differ. That's healthy to have a lot of diversity of thought. In humanity. That allows for the strongest thoughts. For the uh, thoughts that create. The most molded consensus. The cream to rise to the motherfucking top. And that process. Of vetting. And arguing. All of that stuff is natural. But in that nature. Even with a genius that's creating something that I'm enjoying in 2023. Back in the 1700s. Motherfucker was cooking up carbonated water. And telling people. That's oxygen baby. Even with all that said. He still had to combat the nature of the human social structures. And the science community is one of these little cliques that get formed. It's a consensus of thought and human beings, typically when you try to go against consensus, they don't like that in any time. Priestley's science was integral to his theology and he consistently tried to fuse element rationalism with Christian theism. In his metaphysical texts, Priestley attempted to combine theism, materialism, and determinism. You know what I'm just thinking is uh, what the fuck is going on with human beings? When you go and you look up a great man or a great woman in history, they always did 80 things. <laughs> they always did 80 fucking things. They weren't like a specialist at one thing. They did 150 fucking things and pushed their fucking limitations to the max. They went through all perceivable ceilings. When you look at a great person in the past, it was like, this guy was celebrating him. His birthday today is today. Happy birthday. Joseph, but we're just thinking about carbonated water. This guy did a lot of fucking things and he was convicted in all of his beliefs. Like, where did that, where, where did that go? Um, in his metaphysical tep- text, Priestley attempted to combine theism, materialism, and determinism, a project that has been called, um, audacious and original. Uh, he believed that a proper understanding of the natural world would promote human progress and and even bring about the Christian millennium. Priestley, who strongly believed in a free and open exchange of ideas, advocated toleration and equal rights for religious dissenters, which also led him to help found uh, unitarianism, Unitarianism in England. So basically what I'm understanding is that this guy had his own spiritual, metaphysical, religious beliefs. He also practiced science. He was an inventor. He was a creator. He was a busy son of a fucking bitch. And on top of all that, one of his prevailing beliefs is that even though I believe something, I have to practice tolerance for people who are dissenting toward my belief. I have to understand that I am not the only living being on this planet. I'm not the only fucking tree. And people have a right to express What they believe, because that's their freedom, even if it is not what I agree with. Can we get to a place in society where when somebody disagrees with another individual, it doesn't cause alarms? We just understand some people are not going to agree with us. I like this guy, and I also like his fucking drink. I'm going to take another sip of it. <laughs> the controversial nature of Priestley's publications combined with his outspoken support of the American Revolution and later the French Revolution aroused public and governmental contempt, eventually forcing him to flee in 1791, first to London and then to the United States after a mob burned down his Birmingham home and church. He spent his last 10 years in Northam- Northumberland County, Pennsylvania. Scholar A teacher throughout his life, Priestley made significant contributions to pedology, pedology, pedology? Uh, including the publication of a seminal work of English grammar and books of history. He prepared some of the most influential early timelines. The educational writings were among Priestley's most popular works, arguably his metaphysical works, however, had the most lasting influence. And now considered primary sources for utilitarianism by philosophers such as Jeremy Bentham, John Stuart Mill, and Herbert Spencer. God damn it. When I read somebody's Wikipedia and they're really important and they also happened to be born in the day that I was thinking about the invention that they made. When all those synchronicities line up, it just makes me regret that I didn't read a lot growing up. Early life and education. Born in 1733. Priestley was born in Burstall. Near Bately, in the West Riding of Yorkshire. This all sounds very fancy uh, to an established English dissenting family who did not conform to the Church of England. He was the oldest of six children born to Mary Swift and Jonas Priestley, a finisher of cloth. I don't. That is a very deep euphemism. The guy sewed. Um, Priestley was sent to live with his grandfather around the age of one. He returned home. Five years later, after his mother died, when his father remarried in 1741, Priestley went on to live his with his aunt and uncle, the wealthy and childless Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Um, I, you know what I'm saying? Sarah's a nice name for a sugar mammy, wealthy and childless. You know what I'm saying? And John uh, Kingley, three miles from Fieldhead. Okay, so she had a man, sorry. Uh, if anybody was going to go in a time machine and plot on Sarah. Priestley was a precocious child... At the age of four, he could flawlessly recite all 107 questions and answers of the Westminster Shorter, K. don't know how to pronounce that, and his aunt sought the best education for him, intending him to enter ministry. During his youth, priestly attended local schools where he learned Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to drill down the point. What has happened to people? They used to fucking do so much. This guy learned Greek. Latin, Hebrew, he was fucking making fizzy lifting drink on his as, as a side hobby, he was into metaphysics, he created the foundation for other great philosophers to grow their ideas and works off of, people just do one thing now, and it's like fucking, you know, everybody's like, that's enough, around 1749, Priestley became seriously ill and believed he was dying, raised as a devout uh, Calvinist, I don't know what a Calvinist is, Uh, Probably a sect of Christianity in some sort He believed a conversation experience was necessary for salvation But doubted he had had one This emotional distress eventually led him to question his theological upbringing Causing him to reject election and to accept universal salvation As a result, the elders of his home church The independent upper chapel of blah 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 Refused him admission as a full member That's kind of fucking petty The guy was about to die And it sounds like what happened, what happened is like, you know, the guy, you get older in life and for people who don't believe in God, or they think it's this way or that way. And that, you know what I'm saying? You 60, 70 years old, 80 years old, 90 years old, however you live. And, uh, it all starts, you know what I'm saying? All those beliefs start washing away and you're like, God, God, uh, Priestley's illness left him with a permanent stutter and gave and he gave up any thoughts of entering the ministry at that time in preparation for joining a relative in trade in Lisbon. He studied French, Italian, and German in addition to Aramaic and Arabic. The guy just didn't stop. He was older, he was ill, he was stuttering, and he said, let me learn a new motherfucking language. I like this guy's balls. Nope, no homo. He was tutored by the revenge, oh, excuse me, the Reverend George Hagerstone, who first introduced him to higher mathematics, natural philosophy, logic, metaphysics through the works of Isaac Watts, William Gavinsdale, and John Locke. You see, man, this guy, yo, this is crazy, man. And it's also, let's use the energy of the synchronicity that I was just drinking carbonated water and had the natural curiosity to look up who created carbonated water. It is March 24th today, 2023. This guy was born on March 24th, 1733, ladies and gentlemen, do you understand? We're going to use that energy, that synchronistic enemy, en- and <laughs> it an enemy, synchronistic energy, and understand the power, the power of looking deeply into something. I just went on a search trying to understand who created carbonated water, and we get a greater example Of the deterioration of the human race. No, I'm exaggerating, man. We should use this actually as inspiration. Let's be positive about it and understand that maybe at one point in the future, we can get back to developing and cultivating the highest potential of the human mind through rigorous education, through... uh, Higher expectations And I'm talking about America I'm talking about America Ladies and gentlemen This guy in the fucking 1700s He was Aramaic Arabic Uh, He spoke Hebrew He spoke this He spoke that He spoke You know what I'm saying He was in metaphysics He He did all that stuff And he created great inventions And that was very typical When you use the word great in the past We have to look at things in that way Inspiration encouragement and some unsolicited advice for anybody who's listening to nothing important podcast. If you do one thing and you're great at one thing, that's not enough. You got to explore more things. You got to add more logs into the fire, go and try a new craft, go and be on another craft, go and try to be great somewhere else. Just keep on expanding because that's what we do as human beings and enjoy the gift of human consciousness. We're not trees. We are alive, but we're not trees, ladies and gentlemen. Breathe in with this fucking guy discovered. After you take a sip of your Perrier lime water brought to you by John Priest, Joseph Priestley, then exhale, burp, let all that carbon out, and then inhale what he fucking discovered. Oxygen! Anybody who's going to continue listening to the Nothing Important podcast, I want to thank you. Sincerely continue listening. Do me a favor. Go on to the Instagram, like the post. Like the reels. Until next time.